0: The bulbous studios of rodale institute radio and television at lehigh valley public media in bethlehem pa it's time for another fall planting episode of chemical free horticultural hijinks you bet your garden they call them spring bulbs but we have to plant them in the fall to see those springtime flowers i'm your host mike mcgrath and on today's show we'll reveal how to have spring bulb success with tulips perhaps the most difficult bulb of them all plus endlessly evasive answers to your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and titanically tedious trepidations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you seeing your tulips in person instead of in a picture right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we're going to tell you exactly how you can plant the most delicious spring bulb of them all, delicious to everything that tries to eat your plants, that is, and get to see the flowers the following spring. But before that, lots of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Tara, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Tara. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am just Ducky, thanks for asking. Ducky is happier, too, because he has a new mask that fits him much better. (laughs) Who knows how long we're going to be wearing these things. Yeah, I better get used to it. Yeah. So uh, where is Tara? I am up in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, okay. Uh, Northwest Arkansas. Give me what you're close to. Uh, Yeah, uh, Walmart
1: headquarters, Fayetteville, Benville. Oh, okay.
0: University of Arkansas. Okay. Razorbacks. Yeah, very good. All right. What can we do for Tara in Arkansas?
1: Well, I've had this house, we've been here probably about 10 years, um, and
0: it's a split level house on a very sloped lot,
1: and the uh, back of our lot is some unmaintained woods, Mm -hmm. um, and we just had terrible drainage issues because um, it's just compacted clay, and underneath the clay is slate. So we spent thousands of dollars trying to correct uh, drainage and foundation issues, and in the meantime... My yard has just turned to a mess. I mean, it's just so compacted. All, my trees continue to get diseases every year, and this year has been the worst as far as uh, what I've diagnosed as being um, a rust problem. Oh, okay, um,
0: sure, yeah.
1: You know, and it's just overtaking everything. And I even had um,
0: some uh,
1: planters that I used to grow some vegetables. right. and the the rest even spread to them
0: you know I just okay so uh, let me stop you right there and what did you fill the planters with
1: um just some like organic potting soil that I found at the you know store oh okay
0: all right um that's unusual what did you grow in the planters
1: I've got tomatoes, uh, basil, strawberries, and part of our um, uh, school project for my son. We just cut up some uh, vegetables that we had and stuck them in the dirt, and they actually grew. (laughs) Well,
0: Well, (laughs) I got I got to stop you there because we've been talking about this on shows for like six months now. But there is a great book uh, out there called Regrowing your vegetables, Um, Mm -hmm. and I think these are great school projects. Um, Like I said before, I'm trying to get the author on, but she's in Germany and we're having trouble connecting, Uh, but it's Mm -hmm. from Fox Chapel Books, it's called Regrow Your Vegetables, and it's about how to take the bottom of celery and make a new celery stalk out of it, and basil, how to take a couple of leaves and start a new basil plant, it is probably one of the best projects you can do with kids.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely a success, but I was looking for better better options.
0: Yeah, well, uh, now you say that you tried to improve your clay soil. What did you do? Did you have drain tiles put in? Well, as far as the
1: drainage issue goes, um, mainly we were just trying to protect the house. So there really hasn't been a ton of things done other than, so in the spring in the early spring and in the fall, it's basically a river in one section of our yard. Where um, I don't know if there's something underneath, some sort of spring, or if it's just running off the hill or what. But
0: there could so be. Sort of, there could be. Ahead. There could be a spring up on the hill. Um, mm-hmm. And if that's the case, um, first of all, you should tap it for water. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you might be interested in kind of controlling the spring. Um, yeah using that for your house water and your garden water and you could have an overflow line off the back of the spring that would take the water in another direction mm-hmm. I sit on basically
1: what I did was just I, I dug my own you know get it to the back of the property um, you know not worked decently during those times but yeah I mean so would you just dig it deeper and then do like a gravel bed or I mean,
0: no, uh, what you would do is in any area, when you say <laughs> yard, you're talking about an area where you just want to have a lawn or something other than mud, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got probably like three quarters of an acre, and it's, you know, so it's a very big backyard, and I don't
0: even know what to do.
1: I would like to have an area that we could enjoy, and then maybe like have the rest of it kind of do its own thing, but not be diseased.
0: Right, well, <laughs> you know, at, at, and the water, I mean, it's it's got to be a pain after a while, Um, Mm -hmm. What I would do, um, because you got the university there, I know this is like hitting the ball in a weird corner of the ballpark, but I would check with the university and see if they have a hydrologist um, Mm -hmm. who is an instructor there and see if you can get the hydrologist to come out or recommend a company that could really do the right kind of professional grading because uh, mm-hmm. the water, the water has to be stopped way back. It's right. once it gets onto your property, no amount of uh, of uh, you know gravel or drain tiles or core aeration is going to help you. It really needs uh, to be diverted, and okay. you know the time to do that where you are in Arkansas, that would be in the spring. So yeah. this would give you time. To make a real plan, but you know, try, you know, shoot for the moon. See if you can find a hydrologist at the university. See if you can talk them into coming out. Maybe they're affiliated with a company. Maybe they can recommend somebody. You know, it doesn't cost anything to have people come out and look. That's
2: actually
1: a great idea because I had an engineer come out and he was more like a structural. Engineer, so right he I
2: was just kind of had a he,
0: loss for yeah, where to go. Right. He just told you when your house is gonna collapse from all this. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so see if you can find a hydrologist, because this is beyond my abilities here, but because it's happening higher up, I think you've got a good shot at diversion. And then everything I think after that would come along. Once you stop the rivers going through your property and things start to dry out, then you can do core aeration to lessen the effects of the clay. You may want to invest in drain tiles in that Mm -hmm. area, and then after a year or two, you could certainly establish a nice, warm-season lawn there.
1: Okay. So if I get that fixed, and then I should go into looking at trying to get the aeration happening,
0: Yeah. where they come out and do the plugs. And for the rust next season, um, because it's probably too established now, when you plant your things in containers, make sure they're not crowded, make sure the containers have good drainage, and have a copper spray on hand. And as soon as you would see the first signs of rust, really soak the plants with the copper spray. That's a nice, natural way of limiting that disease. So is
1: it going to do any good? Because I've got this big load of compost that the city's going to be dropping off tomorrow, actually, does it do any good for me to just put a layer of compost, like, around the trees and plants that are, you know, already nutrient-depleted
0: at this Not point? Not, is is there just... a dry spot on your property?
1: Right now, it's so dry, it's
0: cracked. No, no, I, I mean, mean in, in general. Uh, always dry? Mm, not really. No. Well, yeah, then spread it. <laughs> Then spread okay. it. I would say if if you had a place to store it, I would wait till some improvements are made. But sure, spreading compost never hurt anything.
1: All right. Well, that definitely helps me get a handle on things. Take care, Tara. All right. Thank you very much.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Number to call, 833-727-9588. Kathy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm just ducky, thanks for asking. And uh, how's Kathy? I'm just peachy, thanks for asking. Uh, Okay. I was told by somebody that I should be peachy when it's sunny out and ducky when it's raining. Uh Ah, that makes sense. All right, so where are you peachy?
3: I'm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania.
0: Just outside of Philadelphia. So what can we do for you, Kath?
3: So I was standing at my kitchen window looking at my garden, and it appeared like there was an earthquake beneath one of the tomato plants. Hmm. All of a sudden, a squirrel popped out. (laughs) With a tomato in his mouth,
0: Uh went
3: over to the nearby tree, sat down, and happily ate my tomato.
0: Yeah, because... The evil squirrel knew you had a good view of this,
3: yeah, yeah. so um I, my, the, we live on a one acre lot. The garden is all the way at the bottom of the lot, very, mm-hmm. very far from the hose. i I would love to have one of those um motion activated squirters,
0: sprinklers. But, yes,
3: yes, but I fear that my husband is going to squirt himself, plus you know, <laughs> Hooking it up and unhooking it every time we mow the lawn is sort of a drag. I noticed that they had one of these that just you just put the water in it, but I can't buy it anywhere. It's no long it's discontinued. So I thought about um, those owls that make noise and have flashing eyes. Nah. What do you think? Nah. No. Okay. Um,
0: however, my friend Lee Reich actually kind of invented um, a similar thing. It's motion activated, but instead of shooting water, when it's activated, it plays a radio station that you've preset on the thing, and it has a bright light built in. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I, I forget if he called it the deer chaser or something like that, um, but it's green plastic... Um, trying to, you know, uh, not too big, not too small, um, and it takes a couple of D-size batteries. And I, I, I tested it, and it seemed to work well. But I will tell you that squirrels are evil. Oh yeah. Uh, they have a lot of time on their hands to figure stuff like this out. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually stole the batteries for use in their <laughs>
3: like I in their
0: transistor radios in their squirrely homes. <laughs> now your tomatoes. Uh, what what kind of support do they have?
3: They're on tomato towers. It's not cages. It's you know conical shaped towers.
0: Right. If um, if the deer chaser thing doesn't work. And by the way, uh, the ones I had were all AM radios. And what I tuned mine to was the local sports talk channel that during the day or when there weren't games on, could be like a talk show about sports, or it could be Rush Limbaugh or somebody like that. But I found it very effective because, you know, in those things, they're yelling at each other. And then when you got a ball game on, everything is different. The crack of the bat, uh, you know, it's constantly changing. It's not like you're playing dinner music for them.
3: Yeah, that's no, I think it sounds wonderful.
0: But if that doesn't work, you're going to have to go out and make cages of welded wire animal fencing. Yeah. You know, these things last forever. Uh, You make a little top that you can twist tie on top of them. And then the evil squirrels have to figure out some way of, of getting in there. Or they'll go eat the neighbor's tomatoes, really.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I, go ahead.
3: I don't wish the squirrels on anybody. But, um, yeah, they can't have my tomatoes. That's yes. The
0: bottom. I have, a, what did we do? We had something up on our Facebook page, um, an, an evil squirrel story. And we got... Dozens. Of, oh, my God, they ate my tomatoes. They ate my tomatoes. They ate mm-hmm. my tomatoes, too. You know, they're they're fiends.
3: Yeah. They so,
0: are. Um, like I said, I think it was called the deer chaser. You can probably still find it out there. Uh, okay. Sound and light, you know, but the sound would be, always be different, which I think is, is really good. Um, when I was the editor of Organic Gardening magazine, um, somebody rigged up one of those things by itself. Uh, they bought a motion-activated sensor and rigged it up with a radio that they kept to an AM station. So every time, in this case, it was a groundhog came in, um, the radio would start blaring, you know. So I think I think that's going to be effective. But if not, uh, go to our website and click on the link that says answers to all your garden questions. And there's real specific instructions on how to make my tomato cages
3: okay okay i i will do that i also looked there and i liked the idea about the googly eyes somebody wrote in I'm gonna oh try that yeah
0: too. yeah i remember that that was creepy
3: yeah yeah i thought so too i'm <laughs> gonna try that
0: well i mean it's almost halloween dollar stores have this stuff in in bulk right now
3: i know i know I have enough eyeballs for the entire neighborhood if I do that.
0: (laughs) What a strange expression.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, good luck to you, Kath.
3: Thank you so much. I love your show. It's
0: just great. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure doing it. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone that for most of us, the time has come to remove new flowers and small fruits from our tomatoes and peppers, because there just isn't enough time left for them to ripen up. But don't go deflowering your delicacies just yet because we'll be right back with the secrets of spring bulb success and more of your successful phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. From the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, have you planted tulips but nothing ever came up? There's a number of different reasons that that could happen, and we'll tell you what they are and how to work around them when we get to the question of the week. In the meantime, more of your fascinating phone calls at 833-727-9588. Leon, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, Mike. such a pleasure. (laughs) Well, I hope it will continue to be a pleasure by the time we're done. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a magnificent day. I'm getting some sun, doing
2: some work, drinking some cocoa tea. It's good, yeah.
0: Okay, so where are you getting sun? Uh, In Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh. Okay, I I have to say, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, and there are two cities in the country where I felt like I had lived there all my life, and they're Chicago <laughs> and Pittsburgh. What can we do you for?
2: All right, I have like two questions. I believe they're connected, but they might not be.
0: Okay, um, we should do charades. The, number one. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like number.
2: Yeah, <laughs> number one is that I have this black bamboo that I love. Mm-hmm. It's great. The You know, the bamboo's coming in. It's in a pot, and I definitely need to repot it. Okay. Um, but whenever the leaves grow in, they uh, start to yellow really quickly, and then the edges and the tips start to brown. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know why. I um, have been fertilizing it. It might be root-bound. But um, I know that, like, on the bottom of it, I have... These purple clovers, uh, oxalis, and I love putting them in all sorts of my planters. I just right because he can't you to, can't kill them. He can't kill them. They come back. They're beautiful. They're great, and uh, the color just complements
0: everything. I have I have a pot of oxalis outside uh, for the summer, and uh-huh. I think in two or three years it'll be eligible for social security. <laughs> All right, you know,
2: now you can't do it, yeah, yeah. Now,
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, black bamboo is a tropical mm-hmm. plant. so do you bring it in mm-hmm. in the winter? I do. okay. Yep. Uh, what kind of a pot are we talking about?
2: Um, it's about ten inches deep. It's rectangular and two feet long and about a foot wide.
0: Oh, that's interesting. What made of uh, plastic, honestly, it's not the best quality. Uh, Well, no, no, no. I mean, plastic is is good in one sense because it retains moisture and Mm -hmm. tends to drain well. But, uh, you know, uh, when you bought this thing, there were knockout holes in the bottom for drainage, right? Uh, Yes. And did you knock them all out? I did. Okay. Um, First, I'm going to suggest that you, you know, the, since you have a rectangular pot, the bamboo should actually be pretty easy to just lift out. Mm. And I would suggest you take it out and examine the roots. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's being overwatered. And mm. what kind of fertilizer are you using?
2: I am using um, down-to-earths, all-natural. Um, I forget if I use the all-purpose or the... That guano, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and yeah. Wh- what what uh, what kind of soil is in the pot?
2: It is. Um, I think it's. I think it's like uh, a general potting soil. Okay. It might be Vigoro or mixed with some of my um, worm compost.
0: Oh, okay. So. That's not bad. Okay. So um, I wish I could. Uh, I wish we had my old friend Bamboo Rick Venzi handy. Um, he he grew, I, I think he stopped, but he one time grew all of these different clumping bamboos. Now, we probably need to tell people that your bamboo is not running bamboo. It's not invasive. It grows in clumps mm-hmm. and um, will get wider over time, as will many of us, um, but it won't travel underground like the notorious running bamboo. So it's it's well-behaved and they're beautiful, but these plants can be a little finicky. So I want mm. I want you to lift it out. How long has it been in this container? <clears throat> um, about two years. I want you to lift it out, examine the roots. If any of the roots are truly blackened and rotten and anything like that, prune them off. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the correct term but perhaps if you think the bamboo is overgrown, is it stretching to both sides of the container? Not yet. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, eventually you'll have to divide it, but for now, I think lift it sure. out of the pot. If the roots are rotten or just mm-hmm. don't look good, clean them up, rinse them off, prune off anything mm. that looks bad, turn mm-hmm. the thing upside down and knock more holes into the bottom. And make sure it's set up on something so that water drains out instead of being flat to a surface. And get the oxalis out of there.
2: Okay. That, okay. Gotcha. So that's on to my next question, if that's all right. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I, so I lo- I have way too many plants, some would say. I don't think so. But because of that, I house them a lot together in the same plots. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I know that in nature, you know, through, like, fungal networks and such, you know, plants can kind of be beneficial for each other. And I'm wondering if this oxalis is harming, you know, the bamboo or where I can kind of learn more information on kind of what
0: plants I can have together. Yeah. Now you're now you're into mycology. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I would suggest you start with fungi.com f-u-n-g-i.com that's that's the website of my good friend paul stamets who runs a Mm -hmm. company called fungi perfecti Mm -hmm. and he he is the mushroom man he knows everything about the above ground growth the mycelium Mm. all that kind of stuff so the only reason i'm saying get the oxalis out of there is the main plant isn't doing well so we need to change something mm. and what i want you mm-hmm. to do is back off on the watering a little bit and mm-hmm. just stop feeding it for a while mm. and um it, when it's outside is it in full sun or dappled sun um it's
2: on my porch so it gets morning sun
0: oh okay that's not bad all right and how does it look inside over the winters It generally loses a lot of its leaves. Okay. Um, Bring it in gradually. Make sure it's not near a heater or heat vent of any kind. Um, Uh, That's not a – what? Did I just tell you what's going on?
2: uh, You might have, yeah. Well, at least during the winter, why it was doing so poorly. It was next to heat. And I also didn't have it suspended. It was like kind of sitting in a little bit of its water. So I think I might have been uh, drowning and overheating it.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's uh, when a plant comes in for the winter, it's very natural uh, if it's stressed to drop its leaves. So it's telling you something. And, you know, I'm sure like the rest of us, your your space to put these things around is limited. But it is it's a big no to have them near any kind of heat vent. Cool. All right, man. Yeah,
2: thank you for helping me uh, speak to my plants a little bit better.
0: That number to call, 833 727 Laurie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
4: Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate
0: oh, it. Thank you for being had, Laurie. Uh, how you doing?
4: Um, actually, I am doing uh, pretty good up here.
0: Okay, where's up there?
4: Um, I'm in Humboldt, Humboldt County, um California.
0: I have been in Humboldt County. Uh, All right. A couple of years ago, I was the keynote speaker at an outdoor rock concert um on the Humboldt Bay, that park right there.
4: Okay. Um, uh, uh, oh, okay. Think I, yeah <laughs> it's uh, um,
0: it's so it is so beautiful up there. The terrain. The beaches are uh, in, insanely beautiful. Um
4: yeah, they are, yeah,
0: but I hope you yeah, don't, well, I hope you don't get the tsunami that all the signs are warning you about,
4: oh, yeah. well, I, our area has um the um ocean rise, you know, with the climate change yep. is um pretty dramatic, right? around yeah. here,
0: and the ocean meets the mountains. <laughs> Uh yeah. <laughs> it does
4: the Redwoods, right? Yeah, it's yeah. very
0: dramatic. Beautiful country. All right. What can we do you for? Well, thank you.
4: Um, well, uh let's see. Um I'm t- today I'm, um i it, uh it's a black stemmed hydrangea that um is I'm think I was thinking I really do need to move it to an area where um it's not getting um the sun. I mean the symptoms, um it's just I don't know I think it's like about a three year old uh plant probably um it's probably not about three feet high mm-hmm. um but um you know the the leaves um g- grow in seeming healthy enough um as the, as they grow in but right. oh in a very short time um they're brown wilted and um you know fall into the ground um and so I was thinking well it must be you know too much sun there but um I don't know like today um uh, is is you know really socked in with fog and um, you know like low 60s kind of typical right and um it doesn't I don't know that it seems much happier and so I was wondering well you know it may have a bug problem that um and if it does, I don't even want to mess with it because the area that I'd want to transplant it to, you know, has healthy hydrangeas there. Oh,
0: okay. That's a good sign. And, yeah. That's a good sign. Um, if if you had insect problems, you would see it. This is not a sign of an insect problem. The first thing that comes to my mind here is poor drainage. Is,
4: yeah.
1: Is yeah. this an
0: area that collects water?
4: Yeah, to be honest, um, I planted it on a bit of a slope. I thought, you know, that would be a good drainage. But in hindsight, as I look back when I planted it, um, I was not nearly careful enough um, to add the good um, woody compost and, you know. So, I'm yeah, in fact, that was a thought I had was root, possibly root rot.
0: Yes, and you'll be able to confirm that when you dig the plants up. Now, have these hydrangeas bloomed for you?
4: Um, yeah, well, the, um, yeah, I mean, my, my hydrangeas do great, except this one in this that I'm talking about and it's planted in a different area. It's it's black, it's a black stemmed hydrangea. The others are not. Um, but it's in a different area and it gets, yeah, it gets the afternoon. If we get any sun at all, it gets the whole afternoon sun, the whole thing. So that's what I was thinking was that it needed a shadier spot, but um, I don't know. Like no, no, like you just said, uh,
0: no plant, yeah. no plant is going to be harmed by afternoon sun. This sounds like a classic uh-huh. case of poor drainage. Now, um, okay. what state well. what state is it in now? Are there still flowers on it? Leaves.
4: Um, yeah, there are still, yeah, there are still leaves. And in fact, um, you know, we, um, some even, you know, like, uh, very, you know, blooming in, you know, leaves blooming in, mm-hmm. um, like I said, they, it doesn't seem like, it seems like as they bloom in, um, you know, they look healthy enough, but in short time in very short time, um, they're, um. Um, you know, brown and on the ground, right. you know, I mean, it does have, it does have some foliage on it. So if the visitor saw it, you know, um, you know, it may not look to their eye as, as bad as I'm describing, okay. but it right. is, I mean, and it actually has some blooms. The blooms aren't um, really great at all. Okay. You know, kind of brown on brown. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Um, At the very end of the season, when it has dropped all its leaves, you can dig it up, um, take it back to where the other ones are. Obviously, you're going to inspect the root system really carefully. So if you see any rotten roots, any black roots, just take a pair of pruners or a sharp knife and dispose of them. Now, I don't want you to improve the soil in the new planting hole. I want you oh. I want you uh, to dig a nice hole, not, not deep. Um, you want it to be wide, but not too deep. And okay. refill the hole, you know, once you put the plant in, refill the hole with the same soil you dug out, so there won't be any reason for it to gird itself, um, you know, in a nice island of improved soil. But then oh, OK. But then put the compost on the top of the soil mm-hmm, you could mm-hmm. you could also do this over the winter you know because winter for you is very mild I think your your coldest, oh, yeah, it is. Your coldest month of the year is August I found that yeah. out <laughs> yeah. yeah Now this is true uh-huh. I was there I was there for 10 days and I'm thinking I'm going to California in the middle of the summer I packed t-shirts I packed shorts when I got to the concert venue, everybody's wearing Patagonia. They're wearing gloves with no fingers, and they're huddled <laughs> around small fires, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: And your fog. It, it, it took me three days to get out.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um,
0: you could also do this uh, over, quote, winter. Um, or you could do it first thing in the spring before it starts leafing out again. If, but you, but if you, we suspect um, the problem is poor drainage, I would say get it out sooner than later. Oh, well, what about now? Well, I would wait until the leaves were off and the flowers were totally faded. You don't want to give it another shock right now. Okay, got it. Um, you know, wait All it right. you know, but you don't have to wait forever, a month or so.
4: Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, thank you, and I appreciate hearing about the bugs because I've been out there, you know, to my naked eye, I've been thinking, okay, spider mites, you know, aphids, Um, but, you know, I mean, to my eye, I'm not, uh, you, you know, nothing really them. leaps out at me.
0: You would see them. The only thing, because you're in California, you might have non-beneficial nematodes around the root system. And the roots would be not rotten, but gnarly, if that was the case. And if that is the case, if, if there's a lot of nematode damage, I might trash that plant and, and get a different one. But I, think, I okay. think you're gonna find some dead roots, some rotten roots, some black roots, and just prune them off and replant it, and everything should be fine.
4: Wow, thank you so much. Well, really appreciate your information, thank you.
0: All right, my pleasure, you take care. Bye-bye. Yes,
4: thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind those of you who want to try something super cool that now is the time to pot up your pepper plants in anticipation of bringing them indoors for the winter. Because peppers, hot or sweet, are perennial if protected from frost. But don't go potting up your poblanos just yet because we'll be right back with important information about spring bulbs and more of your important phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in beautiful Bethlehem, PA. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll reveal the secrets of getting your tulips to actually survive the untender mercies of evil squirrels, voracious voles, dastardly deer, and rabbits okay in the meantime though a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588 eileen welcome to you bet your garden hi mike how are you i am just ducky thanks for asking eileen ducky is very happy when people ask how i am because then he gets to (laughs) take over the show again how are you doing i'm great uh where is eileen
5: in collegeville
0: pennsylvania oh sure okay i know where collegeville is not exactly a suburb of philadelphia but you can kind of see it from there so yeah what can we do for eileen in the land of colleges
5: well i have a problem with one of my plants that a landscaper put in right it's a daisy type plant called calamaris
0: oh okay sure Um,
5: it's um it was planted in 2018,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and it bloomed in 2018. It was planted in the middle of July, though, so it was rough. Yeah. It watered it quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, it bloomed. It bloomed again last year in 2019 with no attention paid to it. Good. And this year it has grown very large, very tall, like three feet, I'd right. say, and it has not bloomed at all, Okay. any of my five plantings.
0: Okay, so you got five of these things? Yes. Okay, so um, this is a member of the sunflower family. Uh, The flowers look like daisies. They also look like asters. So sometimes this plant is called the false aster. It is considered one of the most carefree plants you can grow. It's obviously a perennial has a long bloom time, does well uh, almost across the country, zones five to nine. All the other girls like it. It makes all its own clothes. Uh, But there's two things that owners of this plant have to remember. The first is it needs good drainage. It is susceptible to root rot if it's planted in an area where water pools up and doesn't drain properly. Um, I wish you had called a little earlier in the season because I don't think drainage is the problem. I think simply that this thing could use a good pruning. One of the secrets of getting that constant bloom all season long is to give the plant a little haircut to stimulate it in the spring and then after that, promptly either pinch off or deadhead or prune off all the faded flowers to encourage more flowers. Um, okay. Because if it if it's growing that large, you know, Collegeville it's an old area. Are you sure it's not planted over an old privy or something full of uh, <laughs> full of nitrogen?
5: <laughs> well, it. It is planted in a very old garden Mm -hmm. that we bought the house is 50 years old and the gardens were here and we've had them kind of updated. Right. So we counted on the landscaper to do all that and we've had, you know, 50-50 luck with Mm -hmm. the plants that have been put in. So maybe it is more systemic maybe than just that plant.
0: Um, Well, you know, generally what's happening when a plant puts on a lot of biomass but doesn't flower, it's being exposed to excessive nitrogen. And I'm not kidding. Um, My friend Steve and I once had an issue with a friend of ours who was a folk singer in Center City. And she had a wisteria growing up underneath a deck and then onto the deck. But this wisteria had a trunk like an ancient oak tree. And Steve asked my help, and we got chainsaws and bow saws. And we spent an entire day taking this thing down. And then, when we got down to the root system, we could see literally that it was growing out of an old outhouse, an old privy uh. that was outdoors. And, you know, but that's why it would not be controlled. And, of course, you seem to already know that plants should not be installed in the middle of summer.
5: Yes. It was a very wet spring in 2018, and our landscapers got put off for a couple months with their work. That's and we let them go ahead and install, but it was rough for all of the plants. We lost
2: quite a bit. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's tough darts either way. You really, you really shouldn't work wet soil. Um, these plants shouldn't go into soil that's not draining well. You know, although if they were going to suffer from shock, it would have been that second year, so to speak. Oh,
5: okay, yeah, and they bloomed beautifully.
0: Okay, so what I'm going to suggest is a two-tiered effort. Right now, it's starting to get a little late in the season to do pruning. So can you live with the size of the plants for now?
5: Yes, and they are starting to drop their leaves from the bottom up now.
0: Okay, and that's normal. Okay. No, I'm asking you. I don't grow it.
5: Oh, (laughs) Okay. Um, no, we hadn't seen that before because they bloomed, they were lush, they stayed nice, so um, you know, and we, di-
0: we did unusual. We did get a lot of water. Um, are, is there one of the five that looks worse or is dropping its leaves more quickly?
5: Yes, a couple of them. Um, my husband actually trimmed them down already because they were almost completely dead, and now there's green at the base. Okay. Where we trimmed them back.
0: Um, I'm going to suggest you pick the worst-looking one and dig it up. Pull it up out of the ground and inspect okay. Inspect the roots. If there is a spring nearby or something's happening that the water's not draining from that spot, you'll see blackened, rotten roots. Um, okay. And now this isn't the worst time to bring this up because over the next month or two would be a perfect time to move the plants to an area Ah. with better drainage. So what I would suggest, if the root rot is there, you get a bucket of water, you rinse off the roots, you cut off, prune off any damaged ones, um, replant them in another area. Once we get into the fall, you can move these plants around without waking them up. It's like bringing a year old into the house after a long thanksgiving night you know they're sound asleep you can bang their heads against a couple of doorways <laughs> nothing, nothing bad's going to happen um if okay. if the roots look okay then i the only thing i can suggest is that you spread some rock phosphate around the base of the plants to see if you can induce blooming for next year but whatever you do or see when they plants start to grow again in the spring, put on new growth, okay. I want you to give them a light haircut all around. And then if they start to bloom better, make sure that you're trimming back any uh, cane, so to speak, any branches that don't have flowers on them and remove spent flowers promptly. Okay. All
5: right. Okay. That sounds like a plan.
0: Well, all right. Well, good luck to you. As promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling How to Tiptoe Your Tulips to Spring Bulb Success. All right. This past spring, Barry in Voorhees, New Jersey, wrote, It's great to listen to your podcast, especially when I exercise. Thanks. I'm hoping you can help me with a spring bulb problem. Around 15 months ago, I planted 50 tulip bulbs in my front lawn. I added bulb tone, a bulb fertilizer, and waited patiently. But not one shoot came up, and nothing has come up since. There's plenty of sun in the area. I even made sure I planted them correct side up this time. Do I try to give them more time, or should I just give up and plant new ones? You should definitely plant new ones, Barry, because in the famous words of Star Trek's Dr. McCoy, they're dead, Jim. Now, tulips were never meant to be grown in a lawn. In the godforsaken mountains of Turkey and Afghanistan where they and other spring bulbs were originally found growing wild, the winters are bitter cold and the summers blazingly hot and dry. And so spring bulbs like tulips, daffodils and the rest evolved to emerge right after winter disappeared, thrive in the short but perfect climate of spring and then hide deep underground when the sandstorm struck. Planting them in a lawn meant that there would be a lot of root competition, plus too much moisture, especially if you water that lawn. As Brent Heath of Brent and Becky's Bulbs has famously noted, dormant bulbs like to sleep in a dry bed, just like us. It's entirely possible that your tulip bulbs died from excessive moisture or simply smothered by competition from the lawn. However, tulip bulbs are also the most edible members of the spring bulb family. Evil squirrels dig them up like we harvest potatoes. Deer browse on them after they emerge in the spring. Rabbits are always ready to feed on the flowers, but the number one enemy of tulips is, or is that R, voles. That's voles with a V, not moles with an M. Voles are about the same size as mice, but have shorter tails, smaller ears, and their beady little eyes are beadier than the beady little eyes of mice. Voles feed on the underground roots of plants and are famous for devouring spring bulbs. One source suggests that they can burrow down a full foot into the soil to reach your tulips never to be. Even though they travel above ground, you rarely see them, but you can often see their distinctive trails of tamped-down grass. Now, the easiest response to having voracious voles around is to simply plant non-edible bulbs like daffodils, fritillaria, and ornamental alliums. If tulips you must plant, follow this plan. When you plant your bulbs in the fall, between Halloween and Thanksgiving for most of us, plant them in their own dedicated bed. Surround each bulb with a lot of small, sharp stones or something similar. There's a commercial product called Volblock made just for this. When you're done planting, remove all of the tulip trash like browned out wrappers and such from the surface of the bed. Then spray the bed with a castor oil-based repellent designed for mole and vole control. Or even better, mulch the bed with several inches of dog fur, which repels evil squirrels as well as voracious voles. Don't feed the bulbs when you plant. The spring flower is already formed inside the bulb when you plant it. The time to feed spring bulbs is right after their flowers fade in the spring. That's when they're actively growing the following year's flowers. Remove any wood mulch from the area. Never a good idea horticulturally. This ridiculous trend of covering everything a foot deep in trash wood that's been chipped and painted some god-awful color never seen in nature makes a perfect home for voles. You might as well build little condos for them. When the bulb greenery emerges in the spring, spray more castor oil or freshen up the dog-fur mulch to deter dastardly deer. When the flowers fade, clip off the little seed head that forms at the top of the stalk, but don't cut it down low or molest the green leaves in any way. They're absorbing the solar energy that'll grow next year's flowers. Now is the time to give your plants a gentle feeding with an organic slash natural food designed for bulbs. When the greenery turns brown, then you can clip it off. Or for the best results, dig up the bulbs and store them in onion bags in a cool dry spot indoors until fall. Then the bulbs won't rot from watering and you can safely grow something else in their spot. Or just grow daffodils, okay? Now, what we have said so far about planting, feeding, and leaving alone greenery applies to all spring bulbs. But I'd like to address Barry's planting in a lawn, which was only a bad idea because of the type of bulb he chose. It has long been the fashion in Europe to plant spring bulbs in lawns, but only the small, early flowering ones, which used to be called minor bulbs but are now called special bulbs. I guess they grew up things like snowdrops and glory of snow. These bulbs emerge in winter, often justifying the snow in their names, and produce greenery that fades by the time the lawn needs its first cutting. Well, that sure was some good information about actually seeing the tulips you're about to plant, now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website where you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be, youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week where? At the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to trample my tulips if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you really can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at Please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information, the answers to hundreds of your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our podcast. It's all at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Max Bialystock, Leo Bloom, and Mel Brooks with book and lyrics by Franz Liebkin, and a special appearance by Dick Shawn. Our musical director is Ken Queter. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is always cheerful, Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. The usual gang of idiots includes Eric Werner, John Flynn, Jacob Morris, Zach the Tack, and many others too expensive to mention. Our fearless leader, CEO and Grand Poobah, Tim Fallon, tried to go to Hess's of Allentown to return the year 2020, only to realize that he was several decades late for that meeting. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, planting more lettuce than we can possibly eat, harvesting more potatoes than a small village could consume, and waiting patiently for my tomato plants to die so that I can be done bending over a hot sauce pot. And if I don't fall into that hot sauce pot, I'll see you again next week. Do you love the idea of having a miniature garden encased in glass somewhere in your home? I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we'll talk terrariums plus a still undecided question of the week and your indecisive phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.